It was as if he'd kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Northern Scott Brown here from Let's Talk Sport. Unfortunately, I'm not joined by Uncle Pete Nathan Snay this evening. I have a welcome old colleague of mine, Eduardo Angioni. Edo, thank you very much for finally joining us live on um, Let's Talk Sport. Thank you so much for for having me. See, that was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> Studio 4 here in Kirschberg, the HQ of Let's Talk Sport. This is show number 117. Weather outside, light drizzle. Uh, it's Sunday the 30th of July. As I said, no Uncle Pete tonight. Tonight is our international sports show. We've got a few bits to bounce into, but unfortunately, I feel like this interview with Eduardo is probably going to take up far too much time. Um, if you want to uh, get in comms with us whilst we're live here, you can uh, pop us a WhatsApp at 621-525000. As I said, on the menu today, we've obviously got our sport and the history of the world today. We've got the Ashes update, the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, Rugby Championship, Formula one and also what is going on in the world of sport in august now edo when um, when we normally get our guests on okay i normally give them 30 seconds to tell us about themselves so give me 30 seconds about yourself let's go who are you all right um my name is eduardo Angioni. i'm italian i was born in luxembourg and i became luxembourgish uh, two three years ago because of a law passed that uh, when a law passed that uh, said we could actually become <laughs> if you were born here before I don't know, 90 or something like this, you could become Luxembourgish. I studied sociology. I studied then uh, criminology, criminal justice and human rights in Aberdeen. Came back, boom, found a job in jail for one year. Then I ran a few projects. Found a job in jail. You weren't in jail for a year, though, just to be clear no, on that one. No, I was never caught. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll fire into that bit. It will lead on with your the project you did in the prison, which I was lucky enough to be a part of. And then also what you were doing previously uh, with Dryborn. How did we actually meet? When was the first time we ever met? I think we were still practicing and training in Kelen on an old pitch with no lights with the national team. And then I joined because I started playing rugby. I got a message from Marty Davis, the old coach, and he said, You should join. I heard you're fast. Why don't you come? Yeah. And then I got told by these guys, Yeah, uh, next Thursday there is this guy coming from England best rugby player oh, shut up shut up shut up <laughs> we obviously uh, we obviously hit it off and uh, you know we, yeah that was that, that was it wasn't it it was the yeah. sevens was the first time we played together yeah. good times and then isn't it so funny when uh, we well, I was lucky enough to have a coffee uh, with Edo beforehand and we, we talk about the good times you know Francois Simon Jean-Baptiste Ver the Frenchies oh and God, stuff good times uh, we can't tell all the stories on here but we will tell a few of them later on <laughs> um, we always start things off on the show uh, we call it sport in the history uh, in the world today and the significance Significance of the 30th of uh, July. One here is that Mike Tyndall, obviously uh, World Cup winner, he married um, Zara Phillips, the equestrian rider, who is in fact the granddaughter of Queen Elizabeth the um, second. And that was in Scotland. That was in 2011. This is an interesting one. In 2012, General Motors 
signed a sponsorship deal with Manu worth $559 million. That's some serious cheddar, Edo, Sweet. eh? Uh, and also you had the, uh, this was the uh, day of the first World Cup final, football, 1930 between um, Uruguay and Argentina, which was uh, won by Uruguay 4-2. I believe that's their only World Cup uh, victory. This is also the day that marks National Cheesecake Day, International Friendship Day and National Dance Day. Well, there you go, Edo. Right, Edo, as you said, you're Italian, but born in Luxembourg? Yes, sir. Okay, very good. So obviously with uh, some of the stuff you'll talk about, you'll uh, no doubt put on that uh, Italian um, accent. As I said, just to give you a bit of an overview about Edo, um, Edo obviously came to rugby late, went on a bit of a less than traditional path into rugby. He's then not doing rugby anymore. He's then gone into the world of jiu-jitsu so you've gone yes. on quite a quite a journey there which we'll uh, we'll get into but um yeah i mean obviously you're in school what what sports were you playing in school growing up uh scott you know i never told many people but actually in school i was fat like at 16 years old man i was in a bad place <laughs> and then one uh one one summer i just said all right I'm done with that. I need to do something. So I stopped eating pizza and drinking Coke. That's hard as an Italian to stop eating pizza, <laughs> well, though, yes. isn't it? Everybody in the family was having pizza <laughs> restaurant. I was having a salad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then I, in school, I just... Yeah, I didn't really... Never practice anything apart of some football in the neighborhood. And when I joined uni, that's that's when things kicked off. Yes. But you... Did you do... You did athletics at uni, did you? Uni, uh, in, I started athletics. In, and that was in Aberdeen, was it? Aberdeen, that's it. Track that's, and field that's for That's pretty rogue, pretty rogue to go from Luxembourg to Aberdeen of uh, of all places. That's where my dad actually went to school. Um, so you're doing your athletics up there. You got big into your sprinting. Yes. Um, so was that 100 metres, 200 metres? 100 metres and 60 metres was my specialities. And when I got really fit, I mean, on those 200s, I was having fun as well. I mean, fun... It's very Within ironic reason, because yeah. there was nothing fun about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, about the legs burning. And then, yeah, how do you go from athletics to uh, to rugby? You know, rugby, very much a team-orientated sport. You know, the, you talk about the camaraderie between each other, which we're both very, very fond of. You know, the old troisième mi-temps, as they call it. But athletics, very individual. So, yeah, that's interesting. How does how did that come about? I wouldn't know. I just I just think it was basically a big, Big luck thing, you know, because I got, uh, I came back to Luxembourg and I started sprinting for a CSL and I was having fun. I was training and I felt really good. I was actually playing touch rugby also at the time. Oh, okay. And someone of the touch rugby community, which was uh, probably an, a veteran that used to play for SEL, just emailed the the coach, Marty Davis, and said, yeah, there is this really fast guy. You should definitely try it out. This really fast guy used to be really fat. You should, uh, you should get him down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> And then, and then I got dragged into seven. I went to play my first tournament um, in Riga with the guys. I didn't play a lot. I scored a couple of tries. That and I really year. I think that was the year. That was 2013. So that had been the year before I would have um, yes. got involved with the sevens. But my, you know, we talked about it briefly before, but my really, the moment I said I clicked with rugby was the Hurt tournament. Yeah. I came after a final with RCL 15. We played sevens. That's the first time I yeah, met Yeah, that's right. I met, I met, there's a video on, and then on we Facebook of, um, uh, you know, Cisco uh, Ptolemy doing the grubber kick through. And uh, Do you remember yes. the video where yes. he scores yes. and then Francois is screaming in your man's <laughs> face after the try? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Because, yeah, I think you, was it you and Francois came late? 
Yes, weekend the day after. That's right, because you didn't play the first day. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Yeah, legend. Jesus Christ. Legend, what a legend. Um, I actually, do you remember, you see, this is the funny thing, people could be listening in and be like, that's not funny what you're talking (laughs) about, but as long as we're laughing, that's all that matters. But... um, do you remember that restaurant we went to on the on the Saturday night? Oh the big fat Italian guy, amazing. and we didn't even look at the menu. We just cooked us up the meal. We just said we're hungry. We're fifteen people. Bring whatever you have. Yeah, yeah. Oh and my just, God. we got spoiled. Yeah, yeah. That was that was class. And then obviously we won. We won that tournament. And then I think we were in a snow. We were in Prague, and we I think we finished third or fourth in that tournament. Actually, didn't we? I think we finished. Third. Yeah, 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 I think you're third. right. I think you're right. But um, yeah, that was a good experience but as well. And that sort of kicked things <laughs> off. A few a few funny, who would have been playing we in had those fun. days? Saman, how he was playing sevens. That makes me chuckle. Saman, Philippe Vimois. Jean Baptiste. Yeah, Max Dozan. Johnny Fitz would have been Johnny floating Fitz. around there yes. as well. Christian Olsen. I, I remember the hotel story as well. I'm not going to tell that on here. Do you remember? <laughs> remember with the pillows? Yeah. Um, okay, so you've uh, very, very good. Um, I mean, you, you also played for the 15s team a couple of times as yes, well. Against Austria and against Serbia. Serbia. Yes, oh. That's true. Ooh. <laughs> yep, that's another funny Basic story. Stories. We'll have to do a second podcast with those stories after eight o'clock, I think. Um, and then. You, you basically took the decision where you've, for whatever reason, fallen out of love of rugby and then jiu-jitsu. So you've gone, you've almost gone full yes. circle. So yes, three, Scott, three completely different sports there. Yes. Uh, athletics gave me the capacity to go into rugby, but I mean, I'm going to put myself vulnerable here. In rugby, I had a lot of fun and it was amazing, but I felt something was missing. I felt that, you know, I, I could have been greater now with a bit of I was always worrying about will I do a mistake or will I do that will I leave the team down will I let myself down and that's where I sought an individual sport that would actually put me out in the cold and that's exactly what I needed Scott to be honest there was no better choice in my life than to start jiu-jitsu but so how how do you did you watch a video on jiu-jitsu or did someone it happened like this I basically scored the winning try against Romania in a seventh tournament I put the ball down I turned I hugged the guys and then when I came back from that experience I said all right I'm 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 ready for a new challenge I'm ready to put myself back Back in the game, so you know? just that it makes me chuckle because I remember because I couldn't play that tournament. I didn't. Um, yes. I think you I broke your hand. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, I remember that in the in the final. So I missed all the sevens that year. But I remember hearing the story about the is it the one about John Flynn when he threw the water bottle in the air? Is that that one? When when you scored he or got, something? He got he, he went he went nuts, man. He started hacking people. You know, he's usually always a bit reserved. Yeah. He came and he hacked me, and I remember he hacked me so. You know, he's a tall guy. He hacked me so strong, man. I felt my neck was actually gonna pop up. <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't there one about him throwing the water bottle in the air or something and giving it to the crowd guys. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, mate, good times. I mean, we had a, we had a lot of fun memories with the sevens. The first year we went up to it was amazing um, into the trophy and obviously finished third in. And we clicked. It was was a good group. Yeah, good group of boys, wasn't it? They're obviously a lot of those boys have unfortunately, um, unfortunately moved on. So yeah, but jujitsu, where, how? So how how do you get into that? This I met a friend of mine who is the husband of a great friend that used to be in school with me. Oh, Auntie Jackie's sister's brother's boy, Dan, that sort of thing. Yeah, go on. Yeah, but go on, sorry. Something like that. Yeah. And he told me, yeah, you should definitely try jiu-jitsu. Why don't you come? And, and, and that's how it happened, man. I just turned up to this training. I got strangled 25,000 times. I didn't know what to do. And I had this like 16 years old guys just foot-locking me and breaking my limbs everywhere. And I was, all right, 
this is a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I we um we were down with Rafael Veras in you play down in Bega. Yeah, I, I started there. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah I ended up going against the three the three boys in game. Why would you do that? Yeah. Well, obviously, if I'd have known it was going to go so badly, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> you talk about getting chucked around. I mean, these guys are in like 15, 16, but yes, you get yes. you get chucked around. It, it's very it's a very uh, very humbling actually. You know, really puts you in your box because you're obviously training for something and this is just completely out there. Um, Have you met their dad? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he, yeah. he coached us and he did a bit of karate with us yeah. and we actually had Raphael on the show previously as well. We stay in comms. So, great guy. Um, great, to, great guy. Great to see the boys doing so well as well. Um, so, yeah, is it, is it as addictive as people? Because I've heard other people talk about it. It's like you go and you just keep just keep going, just keep getting better every time you... Scotty, and, and I'm, I'm biased. I know that, but... I can tell you that it's a journey. It's a journey to discover your your ego, your your weaknesses, everything. It's for me this sport has changed my life. It gave me the confidence to do many things that I never thought I could. And and what 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 makes it so important is that you just get smashed for six months, one year before even starting to feel the sport. And this makes the the very hard your path of jiu-jitsu makes you in a different person, you know? You embrace you, you embrace a journey. You, you just embark on a journey to change yourself. And this is what jiu-jitsu has been for me. And, you know, many people leave it in certain ways, just a sport. Uh, for me, jiu-jitsu was much more than that. Like a lifestyle. Yes. So how, how often would you be training for jiu-jitsu at the moment? Oh, my God. I got my blue belt after seven months, which is ridiculous short because I was training three times a day. I stopped rugby and I, I, after work, I would just go to jiu-jitsu. I would actually go in the morning, go at lunchtime and then go in the night. It was, a, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop doing that. So if you're, if you're, if you're blue, blue belt at the moment, what's the next, what's the next purple step belt. up? I'm purple. purple belt now. Oh, okay, and what's, yes. the, what's from there? Brown. Brown, and then from brown you go black. to black. But is it like karate? Aren't there different levels of black belt? Or is that... Am I getting there that is, one? There is four gradings every belt. Oh, okay. So you can get four stripes every belt. But jiu-jitsu is the hardest sport to win your belt, Scotty. You have to go full tilt. So you really have to suffer for so when, your belt. When you're... How, how is it? Is it an assessment or is it you, no. you fight somebody of a no. similar or someone who's better than you and they make an assessment on you or how does no, that work? No, it, Many schools have different way of doing this. What what I had the experience to do, it, it's a graduation. Every two, three years, there is a graduation. You get a stripe, you get a belt. It depends on the way, on the input that you put on the mat. Yeah. What makes it really important is that you train no matter what. I've had... Knees blown up. I've had shoulders blown up. I've had a hand broken. I just you just try strap it and go. Yeah, it's a sport where you need to be present. You cannot just stop and then and come dip back in and, and out and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, no, yeah. nah, no. You adjust to it. So it's it's uh, I guess it's down to the who you've got the person who is the the head of the what do you call the gym? Is it the, the do, master, the, ma- the professor? Yeah, yes. but it, what's the actual gym called? The gym or the dojo academy. or what do you call it? The, the academy. academy. Okay, yes. so you've got the guy who's head head honcho. He's in charge, and it's ultimately his input mm-hmm. that decides whether you can progress to absolutely. the absolutely yes. He will watch you when you spar, and then after times and times and times, he will just come up to you and say. You've made progress. Well done. And you might not feel that you made progress, but it's a very 
it's a very difficult sport because you really cannot lie in jiu-jitsu. You know, I've told, I've told you this already. In rugby, you know, you miss a tackle, you have a body coming. It does the job for you, you know, and you do the same for him. You miss a pass, fine, boom, positive mindset, go back. You were always so good at that, you know. Right, guys, reset, reset, let's go back, boom. Jiu-jitsu, you are on your own. You tap in a competition, it's your fault. You gave something, you yeah. gave a limb. And this extreme responsibility and ownership made me a better human. I needed, that's exactly what I needed. So, I mean, I guess the, the next question is where do you, where do you, is, is it wrong to think that some people want to do it just to compete? Or is, is that like almost like second nature to everything? It's just you developing as a, as a person and as a, what do you call yourself, a fighter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, but some people like the competitions more than the actual training. Is that, how do you find that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got people that have different beliefs and different objectives and that's fine, you know. We just come under the same roof and then if I'm going to roll with you and you're a, competi- com- you're a competitor, then we're going to address the situation differently than if I come and I know you are a beginner or you just come for the fun and just want to learn a few moves. You know, there is different profiles in the gym and this is what makes it so inclusive. You could have a 50 kilo girl coming in for the first time and everybody would take care of her. You could have like a massive guy, a bouncer. We've had some time in my old club, a guy coming in, getting choked by a 50 kilos, 16 years old boy, you know, and it depends. You, the competitive nature comes up. The ego is in everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has it. You just have to put it on the side. Yeah, yeah. Leave it at the door sort of thing. Yes. What about, um, sorry, I forgot the question I was going to ask you there. Oh, with, um, in terms of uh, your 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 gym, how how can you can you just stay at one gym? Do you go to other gyms, or how does it how does that work? Uh, Scotty, you're touching a very important argument because every school has a different perception. Every school has a different sheriff, if we can call yeah, it. Yeah, like or this. different guy rules. Yeah. Your rules in place. Yeah. yeah. And for example, I'm training now at the Carlson Gracie, and he's a bit more old school. You know, he, he wants you to win competition. He wants the best for you so he will just not let you train at his school and then in another school at the same time because you're showing techniques you might fight against the guy in the next tournament and he knows exactly what you do because he's lived it and he's seen it in training so it depends on the philosophy of the academy if it's a competitive competition school i don't think people will be okay for you just being training a bit there, a bit there, and a bit there. I mean, the, the whole ultimately, the whole focus of this show is to try and spread the word about the different sports mm-hmm. clubs that aren't in the mainstream thing. So let's uh, let's big up your uh, your academy at the moment. What's the name? Where Carson is it? Gracie Luxembourg used to be in Painworth, and now he has uh, he has changed location. He's in Bertrange, amazing place, huge place. You can train there. You have two hundred meet squared meter tatami, and uh, you know is it's as real as it gets. It's a competitive school. On the on the walls, you can see all the medals of all the fighters that brought home. And it doesn't have to be a fighter. It could also be someone that never had the competition and they decide to do it. He gets trained, prepared. He goes for it and he wins, you know. It's, a, it's, it's in my opinion, the best school you have in Luxembourg. Wait. Well, good to hear. So, if you're listening in, when how do we how do we, how can I find out about this place? Where can we can we tee it up on Instagram, Facebook? Yes, or? yes, they have a page on Facebook, Instagram. You can check online. It's called now Fabrizio Ribeiro Training Center, but you can also type in Carson Gracie Luxembourg, and you will find it. And you're welcome to join. I mean, beginners, any level, any spectrum of. I mean, we have police officer training with us. We have. Um, 
bankers, we have like uh, whatever. It, it, it's just, it doesn't matter who you are. You yeah. leave everything at the door, you just train and you get better and you grow as a person and as a fighter. So what about, uh, again, forgive my ignorance here when I ask you this, but you talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between Brazilian jiu-jitsu and traditional jiu-jitsu as, as it's worded? The way I admit I have made sense of it is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a mixture of wrestling, grappling, judo, and traditional Jiu-Jitsu, it's more of a of a mixture of Aikido and Judo, more traditional martial arts. And the way it makes it so effective is that in the world back in the days in Brazil, you know, when you had the Vale Tudo, which is a fight where everything counts, you can do whatever you want. No time limit, you just you just stop when someone of the two is down yeah. and cannot or move taps. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or taps, exactly. They had to make something very effective in order to create something that would make them win Valetudo or UFC, the old UFC days matches, you know, and that's that's what makes it so effective. That is actually, you know, you see these days UFC, you see people tapping out in an armbar, in a cage, in a UFC match, you know. I mean, it's very it's very interesting, and it, it's uh, well, I always talk about talk. I, I hate the word passion, you know, you know. Oh, he's got passion for this, but you can just feel. I mean, obviously, I've played a lot of rugby with you. You know, you were an amazing person to be around. You're still an amazing person to be around. But <laughs> listen to you talk about how you've sort of transitioned from this individual sport into you know uh, a, a, rug, a team sport like rugby and then you've almost gone full circle and gone back to a sport um, and, and, and made it more about you which isn't I don't mean that in a selfish way you know but it's more about your own uh, your own development we yes. will come back to this jiu-jitsu no doubt later on in the show the other thing I want to talk about is um, one of the first uh, times where I really had any real interaction or dialogue with you was about this um, project that you did in um, mm. in the prison up in uh, Shrasig. Now, for anybody listening in, you can probably Google this and type in prison project um, for Touch Rugby in Luxembourg and go on and read the article. But if you've watched um, The School of Hard Knocks from the UK, which was a show, uh, let's go back a couple of years now, which was basically run by Will Greenwood and Scott, Scott Quinnell. Yes. Um, and it's sort of, I would, that's the, I guess the closest thing I could compare it to. But yeah, Edo, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk. I want you to talk about it. Tell us about how that project came about and, and, uh, and, and ultimately what it led to. I'll tell you a crazy thing, Scott. I actually got a message from Will Greenwood during the project telling me, don't give up, you're changing lives. Someone in the club knew someone that knew him and it was Paul Sweetnam, actually. And he knew because he was doing the project with me, especially in touch. You know, we started with 16 players. Basically, wait, wait, let me tell you where he started. I used to work there as a researcher. I was researching the inactivity in prison. So people who wouldn't actually participate in sports, work. Physical activity. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. exactly. They would stay just closed in their cells. And I basically went and talked to them. And, and I realized there is... There is a machine rolling every day, no creativity, nothing new. It's just always the same. There was only a Zumba class given to women, but it was always the same thing. And I said, all right, let me bring my craft. Let me bring something that will make something cool. You know, so I started like uh, to check up with the SNJ, Service National de la Jeunesse. By the way, guys, if you're listening to this... Anytime you want to do a project, you can turn up there. They have programs. They will finance coaches. They will finance you in any project. So no excuse. You want to work with a population, you turn up there and you just do what you got to do because they will support you. 
That's what I did. I secured 5,500 euros. I made the, the pre, uh, like the, the, the research and the, the project draft. They got accepted and I started. I had six months to prepare a group of prisoners to, to play against the national touch rugby side. And that's what we did, you know. And then I think you got involved in the contact project with the Sevens. Yeah. We did exactly the same one year later with the Sevens. And one of the best experiences I've ever had. If, if I had the ambition of saving people when I, when I was at uni, I think that project made it even stronger that that drive to all right we got talent behind these walls we can do something about it you know we just have to put a ball in their hand tell them the reality of the things and just try to change these people with physical activity with uh, being an example a positive example and that's what happened and you know what what the thing is my best friend today this guy i will not say his name because i don't know if he would agree to go uh to go live, but um, yeah, he's been in 15 years in jail. I think I, I know the bloke you're talking about as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. He's been there, he's been in my project, both projects, and now he's outside thriving in his life, in his work with his new family, and I'm so proud of him and I'm happy to call him my friend. So just to, just to bounce back a little bit there, what, how, what does that project entail? How often do you get to go in to, to train, to interact with the inmates? Did, you, did everyone who started at the beginning... Um, Not at make all. it through, you know, <laughs> just just going from there, sorry. Yeah, we, we had the um, authorization to go three times a week for three hours. It would be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday morning, and uh, we would train them. And we started with 16 people. We ended up with five. So that, that was also a massive discouragement because you just you just get to see you know the gangsters and people being the sheriff in the blocks and then they come they cannot run and they have to put the ego outside and it was pretty difficult at times you know the uh, sorry I'm just watching checking you out on the uh, on the video up there these guys I mean but where <laughs> I, I, I know the answer to this question but where do you how do you start with rugby probably the most complicated sport to teach to anybody if you've mm. never played it before if you don't know the rules isn't it yeah because it's very it's a continuous I always say rugby's a continuous process there's always something happening you do something good good for you there's probably something else you need to do now to go and help out your yeah. uh, your buddies um, it was very. Uh, it was pretty daunting when we, we, we rocked up to the prison um, <laughs> because we, we obviously all got there and I, I'll never forget this, but if you imagine the wall is probably, I'd say it's probably 20 feet high, is it? I mean, you're not yeah, jumping or climbing over this and it, it basically, it, you, you arrive at the gate and it sinks into the ground in front of you and then you step over and then it goes up behind you and you're like oh my goodness you go in you give your id it gets approved or doesn't get approved some man didn't get approved i remember that <laughs> yes. so he just had to walk out with his tail between can his I legs tell you a secret scott <laughs> i never told him that but it was my my mistake actually you didn't put him on the register on the oh register. mate i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure he so listens man, to this yeah. he's back mate he's back at the end of the month i'm gonna oh, make man. sure you tee him up um, and uh, yeah, and then you're walking down through, not through the actual cells and stuff, but you're, the corridors. yeah, you and you can hear stuff being shouted. You don't know if it's being directed at you. And then you're, you get, you, you, you get out there uh, and then you're, you're warming up. I wouldn't call it a pitch. It's more a patch of grass, but a lot of us grew up on that sort of thing. So it's mm -hmm. no drama. And then you, 
you get stuck into each other, you know. Um, and you, you, but all I remember is they had some really, really, um, really, really uh, quick guy. And I remember going into him the first, the first time and getting absolutely flattened. And then I remember the second time I flew into him and he dropped the ball. I was like, yeah, that's right. Um, but then afterwards, you're, you sit down and you have a meal with them. And I remember I was actually asked about this. Um, whoever did the article asked me this question. And you're sat next to someone and you want to, you know, you're having a normal conversation with mm. somebody. But the question that you want to ask, you won't ask is the circumstances that have obviously mm. led to, you know, because it's not your place to ask something like that in, in that environment, you know, but you're, you're, you're sat there chatting to them and you just, is it, you know, are they as horrible as it sounds, are they bad people or is it just a, um, an unfortunate yeah, a set of circumstances or events that have led to them being in there and then, you know, it just, uh, yeah, then you just yeah shake hands and you might never see them again, do you know what I mean? But there's always that in the back of your mind. Yeah, you know what's crazy about this, Scott? You know, most of these guys, they sent me a letter. They didn't have the money to, to, to ring the phone, so they sent me a letter and they all said the same thing. They said, thank you for bringing people that were normal with us. Usually we get asked that question. We get put straight in the spotlight. But these guys, they came like good vibes. We played a game of rugby. We had some spaghetti bolognese. Yeah. <laughs> which are very ketchup. famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous yeah. in the prison. Yeah. You know, and then we just had a normal chat. That's exactly what I said. And that's what you need to do with, with, with this kind of population, Scott. You need to start from the scratch. You need to give them a taste of normal conversation with normal people. They, they're just the whole I mean, thing. You, 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 you can't be prejudiced. You can't go in just because they're, you know, yeah, yeah, you have to go in with an open mind. You have to be, have a, have a clean slate. And then, you know, if there are circumstances that may mean you formulate opinion after that, then that's completely different. But, you know, yeah, you have to go in with a. I mean, I'm not saying we're bad, Scotty, but we did some pretty nasty yeah, stuff. We, we had some good times out. back in the time, though. <laughs> Not eight o'clock. Can't talk about nights out on this yet, Edo. Um, when, um, when obviously you did that, and then you were actually involved up at Dryborn, mm-hmm. which is obviously a uh, big part of my life. Yeah, yeah. For for those kids who, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they don't, I guess, have the support networks in place as from a young age, mm. so they do they stray from the path a little bit, and unfortunately, that means getting into getting into trouble and that mm-hmm. means they end up here when they end up like somewhere like this are they in there full time you know do they sleep there they stay there the yes. whole time or how does yes. that work yes 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 so you it, there, there was a big shift to more liberal kind of structure in the last years but the way i know it no dry born at the start it was actually a place where they would be locked up yes so you do something you do something you you do something bad and then you get placed there and you really have to work your way out to go you need to go to school so we had a school inside you need to find a job you need to really to be f- better with your family b- building better relationship is this is this just for people under the age of 19 or what age no, could no, you go it's to? under 18 yes. yeah yeah okay. you can actually ask as an 18 years old guy in Dainborn asking if you can remain another year and they will mostly grant you that right now but you need to behave. You need to put in the work behind it. Otherwise, so if you if you don't essentially graduate from Dryborn, do you go straight into mainstream prison from there? No, no, no. At eighteen years old, you get released, and that's it. Everything's back to zero. Now is now you're standing on your own legs, you know. Yeah. So, but Dryborn was a big part of my life. I enjoyed nothing more. Like 
I never enjoyed the job like I did in Dreimborn. I was really changing life. I see today in city center some kids I used to have back in the days and they all thank me and I think I made a difference from for some kids, yeah, I did. Because I've, I've you, you took me down there a couple of times. Yes. And, um, but there is, am I right in thinking, there is a high security bit mm-hmm. at the back end now of Now they built a new place, which is the Unisec, which is where they really locked them up. So from there, there is no escape. You stay until the judge tells you, all right, jog on. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, I mean, that's pretty savage. But I guess with, uh, it's funny when you talk about anything to do with working with, uh, I guess, juveniles or, or even very small children, the big thing is the relationship, isn't it? If you have a relationship with these guys and you give them time and you build a relationship with them, it's completely different, uh, completely different gravy, isn't it? You need to it? know something, Scott. You're dealing with youngsters that never got attention in their life, never got cared Sometimes their primary needs never got fulfilled. You're dealing with this kind of population who just find in a gang, find in violence, a response to their own insecurity. Yeah. So, and this part of this relationship, why it's so hard to get it is because you're going to go straight against the wall. If you want a relationship with one of these kids, Scott, I don't need to tell you that. You really have to go into confrontation sometimes. Yeah. And is gonna respect, they're going to respect you if you stay along with them. During good times and, the and during bad times. Bad times. Yeah, yeah. And this is what makes some of the people who graduate into school to become educators, they, 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 it can be very intimidating sometimes because you have a 17-year-old guy in front of you ready to basically kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. you know what yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. say, right? But but you need to stay there, you know, as, as if he would be your own son. And, you know, I've... I've talked a lot about the guys from the project in prison about this, and they all said the same. You know, we have the impression, they told me that, huh? we have the impression that you pedagogues, teachers, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say a bad word here, just not as bad as... Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Please don't cancel me. Yeah. <laughs> they said, you know, you get taught that you, you need to take a distance, you need to be uh, rational about everything, but sometimes... All they need, these kids and these adults in prison, they need someone who gives a shit. Yeah. It's not personal. It screams at you. Yeah, but if you don't take it personal, how can you raise a son? How can you raise a daughter? How can you be a good 10 rugby rugby player if you don't take it personal? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, we've got to that age where um, most people care about the, the money that's clearing in the account every month as opposed to actually enjoying, you know, it's a bit cliche to say it, but if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, you know, and that's the, yeah, yeah. that's the, and I'm sure there've been plenty of hard, hard, difficult times with you, but as you say, you know, if you, it's what you put in, you, you I almost get out with it, you know, um, let's, let's jump back to, uh, to uh, to the rugby, obviously being a rugger bugger. Any any big big memories you have on you know playing? Let's not talk about uh, the after match stuff because I know <laughs> you're much like myself, Edo. We 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 definitely enjoyed that back in the day. Um, but yeah, any any big memories for you? Um, my big memory was um, we jump. Actually, the one that I bring with me a lot, and um, so we go into the first Bundel, Bundel, Bundesliga 1. Yeah, Bundesliga. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, rugby. And the first game, I don't know what happened. I just, we were down 
we were down with Frankfurt and I just I come in in the place of the 10 Josh van Zielen great guy Josh ball boom get the ball kick in the air chip it over catch it boom score, score. I remember <laughs> hearing about ball. that and, and I was like oh my god what just happened yeah yeah and every, I remember JB telling me about this story where you basically you got the ball and they were like you got no. it and they were like okay and you kicked it and they were like no and then you scored and they were like yeah <laughs> afterwards good I mean nothing nothing I mean that's what you that's obviously what rugby Rugby does is you can everybody can think back of things they've done really well, but unfortunately, it's the world we live in. More often than not, people will often say out the the, the things you haven't done well, and uh, you know it's very much, you know, uh, uh, th- there is a place for that because you can obviously improve in it, but also it's important to to talk about what thing people what things you do do well when you play rugby as well, because yes. that's ultimately what's keep keeps taking you. Uh, taking you back for it all um here's a question for you so you've obviously done athletics you've done rugby you've done jujitsu is there a common thing between them that could be changed in luxembourg you know to try and develop those sports is there anything that could be done by you know the ministry of sport or the government or or in schools or anything like that Mm, that's a good question that's a good question i think rugby rugby has changed a lot and i'm not in the circuit anymore but one thing I will remember, Scott, is that we had the clearing to go and train weights. This is one thing that really stuck with me because in athletics, even if, if, if it was university level, we would train weights twice a week and we would do it with a coach paid to supervise us, to tell us about the technique. But the weights, it would actually rely only on your individual responsibility. And that's what I find they could actually do better Weights programs. You know, you remember James Kent? He came in the Seven uh, Circuit. And he I know James very well, yeah. We've had James on a few times, but yeah. Oh, perfect. And I remember him sending a program to all the players. All right, guys, this is what it is. If you want to improve your power, and I will come to the gym before the Seven Session, you need to do this. And, and that's the first time we ever got a program. And I found this very important, is that the fitness, because I will make an example. You know, when we play the first division... In Germany, the second game, I think five, six people were out with injuries. And I think the physical prep is very important. So in rugby, I will say the physical preparation has to be there. I mean, it's more of a, it's a, it's a mentality thing when it comes to it, because if you're going to show up for rugby twice a week and then play on a Saturday, that's not enough. You need to be doing your, as you talk about that lifestyle, that mentality, you know, you need to be going in and, uh, you know, doing your your strength conditioning you know going to the gym you know a few times a week or you know going up to training early practicing your goal kicking practicing your passing it's all it's all sort of part of it i'd imagine it's the same at jiu-jitsu you can't train once a week and then expect to win a competition once a month you know that's not it's just not how it works you know can i ask you a question scott because i watched you know i watched the rugby pictures and the tournament have have the rugby players in luxembourg gone smaller you know, it's not younger and and and, and like uh, skinnier. It could be. Maybe they're feeding them less. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I think you know. Obviously, we've got the younger guys coming through. But unfortunately, um, I, I'll, I'll give you an example here. So I'm hopefully going to be able to take uh, a team from St George's, the school, one of the schools I teach at, to Roslyn Park, which is a huge schoolboy tennis, uh, schoolboy, uh, schoolboys and girls, sorry, uh, rugby tournament in London every year. It's at the end of March. You get about a thousand schools from all over. Mainly 
mainly all over the UK, but you do get schools coming from all over the world to come and compete in it because, you know, Sevens is a, well, it's a massive product these mm-hmm. days, you know, to play on the World mm-hmm. Series. Um, and you go down and you might play three games on your first day and then play a couple of knockout games. And the big thing is to get through to the second day. But I want this team I take over to go and not only get the experience of playing, but go and watch these top schools playing because a big part of it, mate, these would be big boys running around. You know, we're not talking about, you know, 20, 20 years ago when if you were playing in the academy or something, you might then go into the, or if you're under 18s, you might go into the academy. You might play um, as, a, as a junior for a couple of years, but train with the seniors. Mate, these kids are good to go. They're probably going to be, some of these guys might play in the premiership next year and they're big boys and stuff. Whereas here, it's there's such a jump up to senior rugby. No wonder guys get injured because unfortunately it's not it's not just about getting bigger but the reality is if you put someone who's 100 kilos up against someone who's 50 kilos you technically you uh you can be the best tackler in the world but it's just you know it's the physics of it all it just doesn't work and it's yeah it's an interesting one i think you can do Do all they get supervised uh, it's not i don't know i don't know enough about it so but it's um yeah i mean it's something we sort of the tail end of before covid and stuff you know when we were playing with the national team we would try and meet up with the guys and just gym together once a week we did this a lot yeah yeah and it's you know it's i think it's an important part of it because it's yeah you know everyone's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and and stronger and faster and stuff not only rely on players alone you got to be you got to have coaches yeah telling them listen guys like in jiu-jitsu you know in jiu-jitsu it relies on people but you will see people turning up 30s 30 minutes earlier boom pull up bar let's go pull up squats weights it has to be done yeah. it has to be done and i'm saying this from someone that got injured a lot yeah the last year i mean it's uh it's an interesting point you, you touch on but what about jujitsu because i guess the the thing that might put uh put parents off taking their little ones to jujitsu or to rugby are yeah the injuries but i guess the perception of the but well, for lack of a better word violence that around that that surrounds it and i suppose that's just from somebody who might be a little bit uneducated so yeah what what would you say to that i would say that i got injured a lot a lot on the mats not mostly because of me not because of others but I didn't listen to my body, but that's another story. I will tell you that I never got hurt on that mat. I got always, always good vibes, good stories, and even competitions, you know, you, you just you just meet up with your opponent and then you just, you have a beer after yeah. and you support each other. But I, w- I would say that that brutality that can happen on the mat is a necessary step to learn the sport, to face yourself, face the fear. I think brutality is not the word, you know, because as soon as you start throwing that word around, people are like, oh God, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, but but these days, brutality, it can be anything, you know? Uh, Do you want your kid, for example, I, I talk a lot to parents, you know, and the school I work with, it happens a lot. They tell me about bullying stories, the kids have been slapped around in the city center. And, you know, there is scenarios when you can train who are controlled and there is uncontrolled scenarios and you don't dictate any terms in that scenarios. But, you know, if you bring your kids to a place where, yeah, they will, they will, yeah, they will learn sometime the hard way, but this will make them grow. This will not make them fear anybody. This will 
build their confidence to stand up to any person and say, no, I'm not going to be down with this. That's it. And stand your ground. That's important, Scott, you know. In rugby, there is a lot of brutality as well. Brutality in, entre guillemets, how do you say that? In between... Um, Inverted commas, we say. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but it's actually one of the best sports in the world because well, you learn so um, much uh, from my, it. My, my selling point of rugby is um, ultimately uh, everyone who plays rugby is accustomed to dealing with failure, whether it's missing a tackle, missing mm-hmm. a kick, missing mm-hmm. a line out, messing up at a scrum, but you don't just, you, know, oh, you don't stop and, and walk off the pitch and that's you finish. You're going to get another go to try it again. So, you know, that ability to respond to failure is a, is a, as you say, it builds that confidence, that resilience, you know, yes, and that isn't exclusively to, to a sport like rugby, but certainly as a youngster, I think, you know, to go down, and, and, and do a sport, you know, when it's raining, when it's snowing, and, you know, certainly when my little ones take oh, up their sport, it's like it's raining outside. It. I'm like, I don't care, mate. You've, this is what you've signed up for. This is your sport. You'll go, you are going, you know, just because it's, it's getting them used to being uncomfortable, I think is, is all a part of that growth, isn't it? But when I remember playing back in the day, this is where before we had the, the thermals and stuff, we had these horrible cotton jerseys. And I mean, I only used to weigh about 30 kilos when I was soaking wet anyway. But you're wearing these journeys, you just gonna have to go and stand in the showers for, for 20 minutes. Chill brain's horrible. But it's, you know, there are parts of the game that you've enjoyed and, and that's ultimately what you reflect on. I love you reflect to talk on. about this, Scott. I love to talk to you with you about that being uncomfortable because that's eventually something that makes us grow you know and if you think about are you going to be comfortable in your life i don't think so start putting in the word you know and i'm saying this as a person that i know i know you're somebody who loves watching you know the videos of like someone like dave goggins and someone like that who obviously mate if you if you ever watch his uh when he's on joe rogan and and stuff like that and you hear about him and his his mindset but that didn't just happen he had so much so much failure and it was an absolute mess at some point in his life and he managed to turn it around and i think that's what people like we're going a bit deeper into the topic now i think now i'm only you know i I don't consider myself to be you know a success and i'm sure you don't there's so much more we can go on and do in our own fields and you know good luck to you and 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 myself in that but you have got to we we talk about hustling you've got to go out and and find what is your essentially is your niche um find find your thing stick at it it might take one year it might take 10 years it might take 20 years but eventually if you keep putting the effort in um it's it's funny i was chatting to uh, another friend of mine who you know unfortunately went through some fairly tragic circumstances over the course of a couple of weeks and uh, speaking to him he wouldn't be someone who would i wouldn't say spiritual but he was very much mm-hmm. um you know quite relaxed about everything but obviously off the back of these circumstances he talks about he's going to enjoy it's almost the journey's more enjoyable about mm-hmm. than actually getting to mm-hmm. to to the to the end because ultimately if you don't enjoy what you're doing the whole time, then how can you, uh, you know, how, how how can you enjoy when, when when the end eventually arrives? The end may never come, but just keep enjoying what's what you're doing and stuff like that. And yeah, anybody, anybody, I hate it when they say, oh yeah, I get up at four in the morning and I do, and I'm so motivated every every day. Everybody says that is a liar, you know, because it can't be done. You have to have bad days and you have to have good days, but it's mm-hmm. just trying to trying to balance it all out, isn't it? Can I give an advice to every young person out there listening to us? I'm not going to say no, am I? <laughs> I'm not going to say don't listen to Edo, am I? But yeah, go on, sorry. If if I could give them an advice, it's just show up. Yeah. That's it. Show up. Whatever you're doing, show up. Keep showing up. Eventually, results will come. Show up. Stop 
put, put the iPads on the side. There is no, there is, there is nothing in that that's going to give you an inch of satisfaction. Just put it on the side. Go out there. Walk in the forest. All right. Five Ks, six Ks next time. Go for a run. Lift, lift, you know. And I say this as a person that works with kids in schools. Bro, I get sometimes so frustrated because I see people just doing so well with their iPads. Just, I had, I remember I had a kid in this class. In five minutes, he did a presentation that I could even, I could not even dream of doing it in five weeks. In five minutes, pack, 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 picture, pack, pack, pack. he put everything together. But the social skills, terrible, terrible. No resilience. Anything, any frustration coming up, boom, the whole class has to know. Yeah. And that's, that's where it gets frustrating. And that's what I was, that's what I enjoyed what you said there, you know, get out there, show up, do something uncomfortable. I mean, you can always, it's, 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 it's about, you got to expose these kids from a young enough age to the, to the right things, you know, yeah. being outside, getting involved with stuff. And you will make better human beings yeah, yeah, for society, for the community. This is supposed to be a, a, a sport podcast, not a lifestyle podcast, mate. Now I'm really messing up. Huh? Here, I'm just going to uh, chuck over to a couple of uh, major sports stories from around the world and then we'll come back to you, Edo. Um, England in the ashes. Uh, it's day four. Australia are chasing 384 to win. Uh, they're about 120 odd when rain close play. So it's a big final day of the ashes. England need to win to tie things up. Stuart Broad, who announced he will retire actually hit his last ball batting uh, for six um, he was given a guard of honour um, by Australia um, but yeah uh, you've also got the, the, the Women's World Cup which is on at the moment I mean the big one is uh, Manuela Vanagas she scored a 97th minute winner as uh, Colombia stunned Germany uh, Germany got an 89th minute penalty to tie things up and then um, they obviously conceded that goal. Switzerland uh, drew nil all with hosts New Zealand. Norway absolutely pumped the Philippines 6-0. Morocco uh, prevailed 1-0 over South Korea. France beat Brazil 2-1. Jamaica beat Panama 1-0. Italy absolutely were pumped by Sweden as well. 1-0 um, to England over Denmark. Uh, China beat Haiti 1-0. Argentina drew 2-2 with South Africa. Nigeria beat Australia 3-2. Australia drew with an Netherlands 1-1. Portugal beat Vietnam 2-0. Canada 2-0 over Ireland. Japan 2-0 over Costa Rica. And Spain absolutely thumped Zambia. Rugby Championship. This is not a rugby podcast, but rugby. Uh, New Zealand absolutely hammered Australia. First time at the MCG since 2007. An enormous crowd of nearly 90, um, sorry, 84,000 people were down for that one. Um, the All Blacks have retained the Bledisloe Club for the 21st year in a row. Following that, South Africa beat Argentina by a point on the scoreboard. Argentina left it late. Um, the uh, Springboks will actually play the All Blacks in a warm-up match at the end of August as well. Um, Argentina were winning 15-9 at one point, but then missed two penalties to, uh, I guess, spill some of the uh, the pressure. Um, in terms of other sport that's going on uh, through the rest of August, you've obviously got the Women's World Cup, which is going to the group stages. So we're going to start seeing the bigger matches kicking off. You've also got the Net World Cup, uh, Netball World Cup that's going on down in Cape Town, uh, which starts started on the 28th of July. Um, 
You've got the Sailing World Championships in August. Don't forget about the athletics. That's over in Hungary, in Budapest, from the 19th to the 27th of August. You've also got the FIBA Basketball World Cup from the 25th of August to the 10th of September. And that's going to be held by three countries in the Philippines, Japan and Indonesia. That'll have 32 teams competing in it. Edo, you see, it's never it's never difficult talking to you, mate. Never, never difficult talking to you. It's not all serious, though. I mean, we try and spice things up with our guests with a couple of fun questions here. So the uh, the first big question I'll ask you is uh, it's mainly more to rugby this one because I don't think you wear socks in jiu-jitsu, do you? <laughs> no. No, okay. No, I don't. So, <laughs> so would you wear your socks up or would you wear your socks down when you were playing? Socks down. Socks down. Did you have big calves or silly tattoos on your legs or no, a bit I of had, both? I had very small calves actually. <laughs> <laughs> socks down. Good to hear. Uh, these days if you're going to the beach would you wear the the budgie smugglers or would you wear board shorts? The second. Board shorts? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, a bit more old school. And uh, if, if I would go with the boys, I, oh, I would wear the, the Wear the crowd, huh? <laughs> wear the crowd with the big gut hanging out. I love it. And what about the mullet? If you could pick the mullet or the moustache, what would you go for? Moustache. Moustache. You're so European, mate. You're so European. <laughs> and here's a more interesting one. How, uh, when it works in jiu-jitsu these days, if you're fighting on the, what do you call them? The tatami, is that right? Mm-hmm. Look at me and my terminology, huh? If you're fighting on the tatami, normally, there are other bouts going on at the same time mm-hmm. is that right yeah but ultimately if the final was on it that would be the only one and everybody would be watching that is that am i right in thinking that but my experience has been that if you reach the final and you're lucky enough to make that final uh half of the arena is going to be gone yeah 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 because it's going to be a long journey yeah together, yeah yeah I hear, and yeah people I hear. don't want to stay around the I, whole day okay so the, the i guess the difference in jiu-jitsu to like traditional mma is everybody is you know you're watching the other fights and stuff so but but for the final if you if the arena was if the arena was full and you and your adversary are in the middle of the tatami and you're getting announced they're like and now entering the in, enter the the tatami or the ring or whatever is edo and joni what music what music oh, would you would you come out to what a question you put me on the spot here yeah i will put you on the spot i would definitely not choose britney spears yeah okay okay <laughs> we've got that what would you come out to there is one song that i listen a lot and um that's a Viking song, uh, Helvegen Kalanda. Viking it's one of the one of the songs, the motivational songs from the series Vikings. Yeah. And when I hear that song, man, I go crazy. Okay, I'm gonna I get. Go I'll, I'll get that one off you. Uh, off you later on. I was sort of. Uh Sort of expecting something rogue, something from Gladiator or something like that. I know you're ah, a bit as well, but this Viking music has been has been killing me lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When That's I've your... got my fifty bird piece to go, I put that song. <laughs> fifty bird piece. What's the worst? You, you say you still do your CrossFit workouts these days and stuff Listen, when you can. I will tell you something. I've never been able to reproduce what I've had. Do you know my sister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, CrossFit champion in Luxembourg. She she was big into CrossFit. And during the confinement, she made me do a workout every day. Every day. And we we would do these chippers. You know what a chipper is in CrossFit? Chipper. You basically go, all right, me and you now, we're going to do 2,000 burpees together. We just you go, f- I go, you go, I go. Like exactly. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. She made me do a workout, and I think it was like 400 burpees each. It took us three hours to do that. God, I hated her. Like, what I told her during the workout, yeah. I apologized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 
It's, um, it's a big part of me. I train at lunchtime. I do a 30 minutes workout. Sometimes an hour, huh? sometimes, sometimes take a little bit longer. A little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what the mood is in the office. <laughs> but, um, I mean, is there any CrossFit workout where you think... Yes, yes. I, I, come, I have come to enjoy and love Hero Wads. Yeah. Because when I do it, like I the think Mur- of the like people. the Murphy, the Murphy, Murphy workout, uh, Zachary Stellier, Bert, um, what else? There is plenty. Cindy, yeah. there is plenty of it. We were trained together yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. of times with a Cindy yeah, yeah. in the bush in the forest. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Yeah, we were in the bush. In the <laughs> but <laughs> he yeah, was not in yeah, yeah, show, yeah. <laughs> it's not how it sounds. But um, no, there's a, there's a lot of. I mean, that's personally, I, I do a lot of CrossFit at the moment, and I love. Especially when you're busy, I would advise anybody to do it because you can turn up, do your workout and then go go about your business for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. But mate, I remember when we, back at RCL, we had a link, we linked up with Valens uh, and mm-hmm. the guy Damien, who was the head coach at the mm-hmm. time. And we'd arranged for this Saturday morning workout with all the boys and he was just like, right, we have to put these lads in there in their place and oh my, well, some of the boys would be like, nah, it wasn't that hard. But I'm telling you, there were some broken... <laughs> broken bodies it was all like oh god i can't even remember just chucking burpees wall balls you know a few deadlifts and stuff just just starting off with those things you're like oh it sounds sickening i'm pretty sure it was like a 40 minute workout and i think it was only four exercises but you did 10 rounds so you normally do about 45 50 seconds of work and you just keep going and then it gets to the end and then nobody uh Nobody's talking to each other, you know. But when I um, go to competition two months in advance, I start to do this. I just load up the reps. That's it. And then you just go do through. You find it day. hard to, to, to keep your keep keep it your weight when you're uh, when you're preparing for a competition. Do you find it hard to hit your weight or? Uh, no, actually, I had I had to lose four or five kilos in a week in back in November when I was fighting under Naga and I had to weight cut. Cut weight, sorry. And I found it more easy when you got a team that is doing exactly the same as you. So you're basically suffering together. You eat once a day. You do a lot of sauna. Get the, the liquid out. We love the sauna, don't we? Adela? Oh, God. Good time. Mond off session yeah. after a rugby game. <laughs> so good, mate. So good. Um, unfortunately, Edo, we are going to have to wrap things up here. I wish people had uh, been in here for the hour before and when we were chatting and it's going to continue after this, there's no doubt about that. Oh, yes. Um, keep hustling at the jiu-jitsu. I look forward to linking up with you in the in the future with a few more of the old boys. It makes me smile thinking about <laughs> it. But yeah, stay in comms, mate. And uh, yeah, if you can uh, spread the word about your your academy that you're training at for jiu-jitsu, we'll, we'll do what we can to get the word out there and hopefully get some more people down and hopefully more youngsters because the whole goal of this this uh, this show originally is to get more people involved in sport and you know if you get if you get them you get them hooked from a young age that's it you know uh, active from an early age they're active their whole lives and stuff so um, that is our wrap for uh, for this week thanks to Edo for joining us thank as, you so much for having me as always thank you to the huge army of volunteers out there who make our sporting world tick whether you're a coach whether you're a referee whether you're a bus driver whether you wash the kit whatever you do thank you and keep doing what you're doing as always you can check out the regulars tomorrow Sam Steen is back live from 6am with the breakfast show you've got Stephen Steps low with the lunchbox at 12 Melissa Dalton at 3 o'clock as well with the home stretch don't forget about Dave Burrows and the DB3 shows and then you have also got Sarah Tapp and the hangover show until next week tell a lie not until next week until Wednesday where it will be show 118 and Uncle Pete will be back in the house it's church